It's time for the Savvy Realtor Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Angie Cole, the owner and broker in charge of A. Cole Realty, serving you throughout the triangle, teaching you about the ins and outs when it comes to buying or selling a home. You can find the team online by going to acolerealty.com. That's A-C-O-L-E, realty.com, or by calling 919-578-3128. That's 919-578-3128. And now it's time for one of the top Realtors in the triangle, Angie Cole, and the Savvy Realtor Podcast. It is time to take things back to basics, Angie. You know, sometimes we on this show talk about real specific things and we get into the specific examples and we start talking a little bit, you know, kind of like uh, minutia of buying and selling. Sometimes we've got to dial it back to the beginning because we realize folks, you know, they may not have bought or sold a home in the last 20 years, perhaps. Or, you know, even if it's only been five years, the, the name of the game has changed a lot or we've just forgotten what that process is like. So we've identified five terms on each side of the equation, the buying side and the selling side of uh, the home buying process. And we're going to go over some of these uh, important terms. Now, this is not a comprehensive list. There's only five on each side, but a couple of good ones, a good couple of good nuggets to get people started. Uh, so let's start with the buying terms that people should know, Angie. Um, and we've, again, just kind of selected five to go over here. Uh, what about days on market? Why would buyers need to know what that term is? What does that tell us about a home or uh, how does that give us maybe an edge in the buying process? Yeah, great question. So days on market, also sometimes you could see it listed as DOM, days on market. Um, you know, days on market is important to focus on because depending on how long a home has sat on the market, it will start to bring up other questions like, okay, it's been on the market now for 30 days. Is there something wrong with the home? that we're not seeing maybe in the pictures? Is it overpriced? What is the reason why someone hasn't made an offer or maybe why is it not under contract? Maybe offers have been made on the home, but maybe the seller is not willing to negotiate. So as a home sits on the market longer, 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 the seller is not in as good of a position to really the ball be like in their court. You know, I would say actually the ball starts to move into the buyer's court the longer a home sits on the market. So that is something definitely to look at. Um, it can throw you off a little bit here in the triangle market. Days in the market start to accumulate when a home is in the coming soon stage. So hopefully the agent who is the listing agent representing the seller is guiding the seller correctly and not leaving the home in the coming soon stage for too long. Because if you leave it in the coming soon stage, let's say for 29 days, well, that's 29 days it's on the market and you're not allowing showings with when it's in the coming soon stage. So then you, it's flipped to active when now you're at 30 days and now you're allowing the first buyer to go through. So that can throw people off just a tad bit that days on the market. But yeah, that's an important, you know, term to understand, you know, if days on the market are very minimal, you know, you might need to be a little bit more aggressive with your offer. And that's where we come into play and in giving you guidance there. And we also know a trick on the back end of how to view and understand how many showings a home has on the property where in the standard showing time, you cannot see that. Well, we figured out a back end to that, um, which is important too, because, you know, we can narrow down that specific listing that a buyer has interest on. And, you know, if we see, okay, there's only been two showings, well, we can only assume that it wouldn't be as competitive if we were go going to place an offer. Well, if we see that, hey, the home's been on the market for only three days and there's only been tw already been 20 showings, well, we probably have a multiple offer situation here. Um, so yeah, days on the market is important to watch and follow um, just so we can understand again, really 
pricing condition and maybe why we should make a strong offer or maybe why we have a little bit more negotiation room. Makes a lot of sense. Good layout there, Angie. So that's days on market. Really important to remember that. All right. What about um, as is? If we see as is as a buyer, what should we know? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as is, I feel like can be a sticky term, mm. where it's not always truly the meaning. So first of all, in North Carolina, the offer to purchase reads, so the North Carolina 2T offer to purchase reads, all homes are being sold as is, okay? So you get into, you go under contract officially, you're in your due diligence period, you have inspections ordered. A buyer can present to a seller, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, can you please fix these items? The seller can come back and just say no. Okay, seller has every right to do that because again, the home is being sold as is per the offer to purchase. But I would say typically in more of a like a stable market, sellers are reasonable and they will work with the buyer because they don't want to lose the buyer and then need to relist the home and potentially fix the issues that were concerns anyways because now they become material facts. Now, if you see the word as is listed in the MLS description, you need to be ready as a buyer to truly buy that home as is because the seller is clearly stating that you know, we're going a little extra step beyond just the offer to purchase. We are saying this home is truly being sold as is. Don't ask us for repairs, okay? So that's what I tend to find when we see the word as is in the description. The seller really means we're selling the home as is. And I would say as a seller, be careful on putting that statement in the MLS description. We tend to find that offers made on a home when the as is is in the description tend to be lower as far as a price point because in the buyer's mind there's major issues with this home so even if you're not going to be super like reasonable when it comes to negotiation of repairs i wouldn't be so quick to throw out that as is statement unless again the home needs some like major major repairs remodeling it's not in the greatest shape that's fantastic and good to know. So a little nugget there on the selling side as well as the buyer. So that's what to know about as is. It sounds like you, you want to kind of avoid that term on multiple fronts, Angie, unless it's you know truly going to be that situation where you just really aren't going to do anything on the sell side, then the buyers know. Otherwise, eh, maybe you're kind of hurting yourself a little bit there. That's mm -hmm. good to know. All right. Uh, what about due diligence? That's definitely an important one to know for buyers. Yeah, and due diligence is a term that is not commonly uh, used in other states, especially due diligence fee. So we have a lot of relos, you know, uh, people relocate into the area and we start to explain the home buying process and they are totally just confused when we throw out the word due diligence and due diligence fee. So your due diligence is the time for the buyer to do their investigations on the home. So when we negotiate a contract, we officially go under contract. The seller is locked into that contract okay buyer has the right to back out for any and all reasons but they do lose monies along the way but part of the contract as soon as you officially have an executed contract that starts your due diligence period so the t the clock starts ticking in the contract also is a date and you write in your due diligence end date on average we typically see about two to three weeks due diligence seems to kind of be the norm there's no set time frame there but that's kind of what we tend to see but with due diligence again that is a time for the buyers to do their investigation so typically buyers will order a home inspection pest termite radon maybe they need a septic and well inspection a pool inspection you know go ahead and you know check into your insurance make sure you can get insurance on the home if you need flood insurance 
insurance. Make sure you can, you know, get that. If you need a survey completed, also it's definitely important if you are obtaining finance for the lender to order the appraisal and the appraisal to come back within that due diligence period. Because once due diligence expires, if you have earnest or additional earnest money on the line, that money then goes hard at that point. Um, So due diligence, again, is the time for the buyers to do their investigations. All right. Very good. Yeah. And it's interesting how due diligence really changes from state to state. Very, very different in certain states like uh, Oregon. Totally changes the power dynamic with how the due diligence rules work. So really interesting. Yep. Uh, So definitely know that if you are going to be buying in North Carolina, know what the rules are, especially if you're relocating here. That'll be very helpful to you. All right. What about uh, conventional? So I'm kind of cheating here. I'm going to slide three terms into one bracket here, Angie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Conventional versus FHA versus ARM. I feel like those might be the three mortgage-related terms people are going to hear the most, right? Yeah, yeah. And ARM typically is just called an ARM to make it easy for us. But yeah, those are just three different types of loan products. There are others that exist out there. There's VA, USDA, you know, there's jumbo loans. There's many different other products. But for a conventional FHA and an ARM, conventional typically is for a more qualified buyer. Um, so higher credit score typically can put more money into the to the loan. And typically the return on that is you get a lower interest rate. Okay. So conventional Conventional loans can be very attractive from that standpoint. An FHA loan is typically, I would say, for a buyer that is not as qualified, maybe a little bit more of a risk to the bank. Um, So less money down, typically a little bit higher of an interest rate. An ARM can be a great product for someone who especially does not plan to live in the home, but for a couple of years, um, an ARM will be a lower interest rate than kind of the norm of what you're seeing. But what will happen is when there's different types of ARM, by the way, there can be a five, you know, a five-year ARM, a seven-year ARM, but whenever that time frame is up, so five years is up, then that interest rate can jump up, okay? Um, there's always certain thresholds of how high it can jump up, and then it still has to be within range of where the current interest rates are in that market. Um, For example, um, us personally, we're under contract on a home, and this time we decided to actually get an arm because we could get lucky and we could always float down the interest rate and kind of watch it. We have five years to play with. And, you know, should all of a sudden, you know, interest rates go a little bit lower than where we locked into, we could always, you know, we could refinance and drop it down and then go with a 30-year, you know, fixed rate. So the difference in an arm is that it's not fixed, okay? Where conventional and FHA, those are fixed loans. Typically, you know, people go with a 15, 30-year loan. Yeah, it's uh, it can be confusing if it's your first time through the mortgage world trying to figure out those different terms. And even if you don't qualify for a conventional and have to go the FHA route, it is not the end of the world or anything to be uh, upset about. Uh, I remember when we bought our first home, um, you know, several years back, Angie, we were approved for a conventional loan. And then at the last minute, uh, you know, it was back when we had tighter, you know, regulations and those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, kind of at the last minute, they were like, oops, you don't qualify for the conventional anymore. Uh, we're going to switch you over to an FHA application. And so we ended up buying the house through the FHA. So it's a little bit of a rug pull at the last minute, but it ended up working out okay. And uh, the FHA loan was just fine and worked well for a us loan with is our a down loan, payment. Right. And, yeah. So... <laughs> It had a few things that, you know, like the, the the mortgage insurance and that kind of thing that got thrown in that we weren't necessarily expecting to uh, to be there. But 
uh, for, for the same amount, but we were able to work around it and uh, it still worked out great for us. So uh, those programs can still be really, really good and helpful. So no worries if you have to use one of those kind of uh, different types of loans. And there's more, of course, than what we just talked about there. Just uh, three of the popular ones you're going to be hearing about these days. All right. And then, Angie, we get the offer. Uh, this sounds like it's simple, but what is all involved in the offer process from a buyer standpoint? Yeah, yeah. So an offer is before we have an actual contract, an executed contract in place. So the offer is the initial presentation of, hey, here's the terms that I would like to present in hopes that you would accept Mr. and Mrs. Seller. Um, But as far as an offer goes, we definitely, you don't have to, but our team, we require that there be a prequal or pre-approval letter or proof of funds provided with the offer because most more than likely seller will not even entertain your offer unless you can show that, hey, financially, you're in good standings and you can qualify. So you need a prequal letter uh, or a proof of funds if you're paying cash. With the offer, uh, we then use the standard offer to purchase the 2T here in North Carolina. Um, we also would love to have copies of the residential property disclosure and have our client, our buyer client, sign off on those. The mineral oil gas rights disclosure, have the buyer review and accept that as well. Um, and then at that point, we can present the offer. Now there's, you know, a couple of terms that uh, are a part of the offer and we would need to come to an agreement on. For example, like our purchase price, our due diligence fee amount, our due diligence date, our closing date, if we're offering earnest money, you know, there's, you know, what attorney want to choose? Are we asking for a warranty, any personal property? So there's several nuances, I guess, of the offer to purchase. And that's something that we as a real estate company will guide you through. And then also it's our job as a real estate team and working for you to pull comparables and guide you on, okay, this is how the home is priced. This is where we feel like we should go in as far as an offer and definitely try to negotiate the best, you know, deal for you as a buyer. So that as a whole is the offer and that's the presentation to get those negotiations started. Again, that is the offer and an important part of the process for sure. So if you are interested in buying a home in the near future, there are some great details for you to consider, some terms that you should know before embarking on the process. And if you want to learn more of the buying terms that you should know, definitely check out our home buyer guide that Angie has put together. You can text us to get that guide for free right now. Just text the word SAVVY to the number 21000. Again, text the word SAVVY, S-A-V-V-Y, to the number 21000. We'll text you right back with a link to click on, and you can download that home buying guide. Again, it covers the terms that you need to know about buying a home, the steps of the process. really gets you a good start into buying your next home. Just text the word SAVVY to the number 21000. All right, on the sell side, Angie, let's hit a few of those terms. First of all, we've got inspections. What do we need to know there? Yeah, as far as in selling, um, you know, inspections are something you can expect once we officially go under contract that the buyer will order different inspections just to feel comfortable and, um, you know, comfortable with moving forward with the purchase of your home. So typically inspections to be completed would be home inspection pest termite, radon inspection, maybe a well, septic, pool. You know, buyer really can do any type of inspection they feel like is needed on your home. Um, It is a requirement that you make the home uh, readily available for a buyer and their inspector to do those inspections on your home. So that's inspections. It's where, you know, a qualified individual is hired to come into your home and probe and, you know, and, and, and research and look high, look low, get into a crawl space, get on top of a roof if they feel the need to do so um, to, you know, really understand and, and figure out the true condition of the home. 
it's their job to define issues with the home, yeah. right? They're hired for a reason. <laughs> that's a great point. Uh, all right, what about appraisals? What do sellers need to know about that? Yeah, so that's when a buyer is obtaining financing. It's a requirement for an appraisal to be ordered. So an appraiser will schedule an appointment to come through, do a walkthrough, pull their own comparables to make sure that the home appraises for the purchase price. You know, of course, a lender does not want to take on a loan for a home that is not valued at that loan amount. Um, so an appraiser comes through to verify that indeed the home is worth the amount that the lender is going to lend um, or the financial institution is going to lend on this property. So again, seller, you must be make the home available for the appraiser come through. It shouldn't take more than about 30 minutes for them to zip through your home. Then they go back to their office, sit down, and that's where it, you know a lot of more work goes in place to pull the value of the home. Mm, that's a great point as well. So we've got inspections, appraisals, and then contingencies. It didn't seem like sellers had to worry a lot about these the last couple of years, but these are kind of making a comeback, right? You know, so here in North Carolina, um, contingencies actually do not exist unless you have an attorney draft up some type of addenda and place in some type of contingency into an offer. Contingencies no longer exist. I know in other states, they have like inspection contingencies, they have home to sell contingencies. Um, but again, contingencies are not a thing here in North Carolina anymore. Oh, very good. So that's yeah. good to know. Uh, Don't what, even what, know that term. <laughs> what, what, what happens when people, though, need to sell their home before yeah. they can purchase another home? Like, they do they still yeah. make that known in the offer? It's just no longer a contingency? Okay. That's exactly right. Yep. Um, actually, in the financial section, it asks, do you have a home that you need to sell and a home that you need to close in order to qualify? Um, so you do have to disclose that. You know, I'm, honestly, I'm happy they did away with the home to sell contingency. Reason being, the contingency was protected protecting a buyer, should they not be able to sell their home, they would also get back their earnest money and it could be a day before the closing. And so I've actually, I had that happen to one of my poor sellers. It was kind of a domino effect and it was the week of closing and the buyer for my seller's home, their buyer, so it was like a domino where one person was buying another home that was them buying another home, their buyer backed out on them, so then they had to back out on us. And the thing is, is my seller, who was at the end of this domino row, row, was out money. They didn't get any type of compensation for taking their home off the market for a good 20 to 25 days, only for us to need to relist it again, because that contingency addendum clause protected the buyer where they got back their earnest money. So I'm, I'm actually, I, I feel like there needs to be a little bit more skin in the game on the buyer side. You know, if they're the ones taking that risk and they need to sell the home in order to buy, there should be a little bit more risk on their end. So yeah, that has been removed as of last year, 2021 in July, okay. when the contract was revived. Okay, very cool. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, all right, what about, uh, and then you kind of hit on that as we were talking about it, disclosures was the next yeah. term. And so that's sort of like the cousin of contingencies, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, disclosures, so many different types of disclosures, you know, but the main ones you that must be attached to an offer to purchase, if it's kind of a standard, you know, like resale is a residential property disclosure and a mineral and oil gas rights disclosure. Residential dis- uh, property disclosure is really the main one. You know, that's a seller going through and checking yes, no, or no representation to anything and everything about the home. You know, is there issues with electrical, with the plumbing? You know, how old is, you know, the HVAC system? So it's really just going through the home and sharing with the potential buyers, uh, you know, what is going on with the home? What's the condition? Um, so those are your main disclosures. There's others, uh, for example, an FHA, VA uh, financing addendum. You know, there's a couple of other disclosures depending on maybe the type of loan or the age of the home that should be attached as well. But the main disclosures, again, are your 
RPD, residential property disclosure, and your MOG, mineral and oil gas rights disclosure. Okay, very good. And last but not least, Angie, we've heard this term over the last several years. What about iBuyer? Yeah, I feel like that one's become very common. Most people understand that term. Um, iBuyers are those kind of internet-based, you know, buyers where they come in and they just make those cash offers. You know, there's some big companies out there, OfferPad, um, Open Door, Zillow. You know, I know some of those companies have kind of gotten ahead of themselves a little bit um, with making too high of offers and then not being able to resell them for as high of a price. Um, but iBuyers are kind of those investors, right? Um, and there's a lot of small iBuyers out there too, not the bigger names as well. But, you know, these investors coming and buying properties to either, you know, flip, relist, or to hold and to run out. You've been listening to the Savvy Realtor Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Angie Cole. She's the owner and broker in charge of A. Cole Realty here in the Triangle. And if you have questions for Angie, we invite you to go online to acolerealty.com. Listen to past podcast episodes on the website, read the blog and all the great information, including the option to find a home right there on the website. That's acolerealty.com. And you can also call Angie with your questions, 919-578-3128. Did you know that Angie Cole also has a radio show? Tune into The Savvy Realtor, Saturdays at noon on 106.1 FM WTKK.